You're listening to the 405 Exchange Podcast. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and this episode is with Cape Francis. Out of the ashes of his previous band, Stone Cold Fox, Kevin Oaken Hamthorne found himself unsure where to go. He knew that whatever he did next had to be different. Enter Cape Francis. It's a lush exploration of heartfelt folk songs, some of his most honest work, and you're definitely going to love this. With this talk, we go into how his debut album, Falling Into Pieces, came to be, and how inspiration can come at the most unexpected times in our lives. This is the 405 Exchange Podcast with Cape Francis. So Kevin, uh, it's great being sat here with you. Um, I know a bit about you, but not so much. So when I was like walking up here and thinking about talking with you, I kind of got a bit excited realizing that along with the list people listening, I'm going to be learning about you <laughs> as well. So let's just go right like to the beginning. When did music start for you? Uh, music started uh, when I was like nine. Um, I started playing guitar. Um, and I was pretty much a guitarist until I was like 16 and then I started trying to learn how to sing and that was really? a whole trying to learn how to sing was like a whole new thing I think it took like eight years for me to figure out how to properly sing I feel like I'm very much used to hearing the opposite side of it like, oh, really? yeah like singers who go like fuck I want to get girls let me learn how to play guitar uh, so what was it with you like what was it that intrigued you towards singing um guitar was uh, my dad would play me tons of music and blues was pretty much like the foundation um I think it was it was really Peter Green that triggered it. He would show me like old Fleetwood Mac, Peter Green stuff, and um, I think I was just going through a lot of like I don't know. I was like nine. I was getting picked on and stuff. I just needed like something, some sort of expression out. Um, and so I don't know. He I think I think how it happened was you know how you're you're, you're told to like get a, an instrument at school or whatever yeah. you know, like. I think I tried some, and I was like, what am I doing? Like, I love this. Like, uh, why am I playing saxophone? I can't play saxophone. I'm so glad you said that, because I remember when that when we had that, like, pick an instrument, I picked saxophone, thinking, like, because I grew up loving The Simpsons. I was like, oh, Lisa Simpson ah, plays saxophone. That's great. So I'll yeah. give this a go. And I remember for a week, I was like, what the fuck? What? <laughs> like, how do I do this? And to read, too? I don't know. It's just weird. Oh, that's cool. You got the fallback on guitar, though. I, I inadvertently did it, but that's fucking amazing for you. It, it worked out, and I, I think um, I think I started out doing with with some teachers like classical. So I learned how to read and write. Um, but then, like, I I think like a few years later, Blink One Eighty Two happened, and I just yeah. gave up on classical and like oh, yeah. went hard into like a a series of phases. I think yeah. it was Blink One Eighty Two. Than like System of a Down and New Metal. It was it was some bad music that I went through, but it was emotional. Yeah, but was it the type of thing where I always wonder this with people who are trained classical? I feel it's definitely a beautiful thing, but I always imagine that it can narrow your perspective of what music can be. And I yeah. imagine when you're that age and you come across a planet like going to, you're almost like, how does this exist? Exactly, and it, it's I feel like I wasn't I, I was really only fed like blues and then like. The, cla- the classical stuff, and it took a while, especially being in Maine, there wasn't, I don't know, there wasn't a lot of exposure to new music, it wasn't until, like, my brother showed me, like, Arcade Fire and Radiohead that, like, yeah. 
I wish he had just shown it to me earlier. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I don't know. Um, that that really opened things up, and I pretty much just like gave up on classical. Like I don't know how to read anymore. I just at all. Really? Yeah. Even to this day? I just don't remember. Wow. <laughs> it was like it was like I think it was like two years of that, and then after that. I don't yeah, talk to me a little bit about growing up in Maine because that's a place I actually haven't been to yet. I know a little bit about it from friends and families who have been there, but I wonder what it's like growing up there and having a bit of a musical background. Um, it was good that there's a, not, a, I don't know, it's, it's a strange scene. I've never been able to really understand the scene, especially growing up. Um, I, like, I, one of my close friends is from Orange County and he like, he grew up with Modest Mouse and like all of these like bands that were going on and knew of all this stuff that I, it just didn't get to me until I was like 17. Yeah. Everything just took longer to get to for whatever reason. No, I can understand that. I did uh, middle school, I did most of my life middle school and high school in Rockland County. It's like right across the water from oh, Westchester. Yeah, yeah. And that's pretty, it's funny. It's about 30 minutes away from here, but I like to describe it as 30 minutes away, but when you're in there, you feel like you're 10 hours away. <laughs> yeah. And like, meanwhile, here's New York City where um, I went to high school between, um, 2003 and 2000 wait no 2004 2008 and I just remember thinking how crazy it is like you know like strokes and uh yeah 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 and metric and liars and all these like indie fucking interpol all these bands happening here in New York meanwhile in my town it's like it's just you wouldn't know like yeah. no, one, no one knew even though it's so close so imagine it must have felt similar to you well that makes me feel better that other places have the same problem yeah, yeah, exactly. um but yeah, I think I, I lucked out later having an older brother that kind of like showed me the rest. They burned me a bunch of CDs and after that I was like, I was like hooked on. You know, I've always wondered this, like, I don't think I get to, I don't, I don't think I ask musicians this enough and I always find myself thinking this, but like, was there ever like a song or an album you listened to that made you go like, I want to do this because of this? Not like to replicate it, but just like the thrill of being enthralled by listening to it. Um, yeah, uh, OK Computer and Kid A, like, totally, like, I just did not, I didn't understand what they were doing, but it, like, I felt everything. Okay. <laughs> just that, that's what fueled a lot. And then later, um, uh, just him, him showing me Arcade Fire stuff, just like, I remember he showed me, like, uh crown of love or something i think that's the song name it's just like it's just it just hits you so hard especially as like 13 14 everything you understand the emotions but you don't understand how it's done and so trying to figure out how it was done was like a huge part of yeah. that early time and i feel what's really intriguing with radiohead is they're a band you can listen to and it sounds all weird and abstract and disjointed but every you could feel the deliberacy in everything they're doing yeah it's it was kind of mind-blowing, um, especially coming from super simple uh, block emotional uh, things like, like Mudvayne. You know, like, yeah. that was where I was coming from. So it was just like, <laughs> I was just like, emotion! I remember Mudvayne so much. I remember I had, uh, no joke, I was either like 13 or 14 uh, when they had the Headbangers Ball. I remember I saw Mudvayne on TV, and I was the type of kid that I wanted to do anything and everything that I knew my parents would hate. Ah, that's great. So, so I remember I went to like Hot Topic, bought a Mudvayne shirt, <laughs> barely know anything about them, and I went home like wearing it, and my parents was like, what the fuck is that's this? Because so <laughs> there was like a graveyard behind them, and I had that awful pastel blue that make it look like it was like dark in the <laughs> Oh my god. God, I haven't thought about that band in forever. They were a band. Uh, 
as, as that's an actual thing that, that might have been my first show it was either really, first or second man it was can't imagine what my dad was thinking. Oh he he would like bring us and he'd like read in the back. Or whatever. <laughs> That's amazing. With your friends like, too. Like yeah, I guess yeah. you had a group of friends you'd go to. So. Yeah, me and my best friend Drew were like obsessed with new metal. Uh, he had spiky little horns yeah. and I had like black fingernails and stuff. Oh man, I yeah. read the fuck out of new metal too. I did just because like it just it was so. I, I think people don't give enough credit for this, but like. If you're a kid and you're, like, fed, like... Because my parents love, like, Lionel Richie and <laughs> Bowie and yeah. Jackson and the Beatles and all that stuff. And those stuff is great. But, like, something about growing up with that, it feels so proper to you yeah. that when you hear some, like, new metal, yeah. you're like, what the fuck is this? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, I felt that with, like, blues, where it's like, yeah. I grew up with blues, so it's like, this was... Uh, so like the antithesis and it was great <laughs> and meanwhile we come back around exactly <laughs> yeah we always do and yeah. that's how it always is yeah so you know five in the morning is a track that to me pierces right through the abstract i cool. found that it was really interesting that there's like there's layers to the song it's very direct and yeah. i want you to tell me a bit like how that song came about well i think the reason why it kind of feels direct is um so we were we were in the studio for a week me and um uh, my producer, uh, Ariel, um, who's produced pretty much everything I've, I've ever done. Um, and, uh, we were just hitting our heads with this one song. I think we re-recorded it, like, four times, couldn't figure it out. It just, like, wasn't, it wasn't clicking. And we had one more day in the studio. It was Saturday night. We were leaving Sunday evening. And we were just like, what do, what do we want to do? Do we want to, like, really try to push this kind of silly song through that isn't going to do it or you want to just like work on a simple song and I had this really what I thought kind of like not necessarily boring but just like traditional folk yeah. song that I just like didn't think much of mm -hmm. I like I knew it was a song and I just like wasn't even called five in the morning yet and I, yeah. um, we just decided to do that and if we could make it cool that would be great we started it Saturday evening and it just like took a totally different turn, um, especially with like um, the keys and the synths. It um, it just totally. I I've never seen a song. I think at the time it felt like the song flips flipped upside down, and I had never experienced that before. Yeah. Taking uh, traditional, what I thought folk song, and just like totally. I don't know how to describe it, but it was it was a really crazy new feeling, and we just wrote the whole thing that, you know, like, finished it, basically. The five in the morning, two in the morning, three in the morning, all that stuff yeah. came. I remember, like, I was on the piano, and he was on synth, and we were just, like, writing together for the instrumental break that happens in that, and we were just kind of, like, fucked up, and just, like, <laughs> kind of working through it. It was like, oh, that sounds, like, super drunk and great, and, like, there's so much delay because he was doing his thing and I was doing my thing and it was just like this great collaborative thing and we finished it the next day and then we left and that was like I think that was the last day we spent up in Connecticut at um uh in the studio that was whereabouts in Connecticut um it's a studio called Stone Studio mm -hmm. in uh Lakeville Connecticut um near Sharon it's like northern northwest corner uh, my old guitarist runs it Oh. Stone. And so he engineered everything. Oh, that's okay. amazing. Yeah. Do you feel like, in a way, because I feel like when I listened to that track, there was a sense of, like, obviously it being personal, but also that 
you, uh, your voice, something about it sound quite liberating. I guess that makes sense in regards to how you described it as me. Yeah. Do you feel setting kind of plays a role sometimes when you're writing and recording? Because I imagine being in a place like that must feel pretty, like, tranquil. In a way. Yeah, that, that studio has been a good place for me. Every time I go up, I just kind of live there. I don't like to leave that much. I think I've gone through stretches of, like, six days or whatever. Like, I just yeah. don't. I just don't like, I just, we set up a mattress and just kind of stay there. I like it. So far, it hasn't gotten old, which is surprising. You'd think, like, yeah. it, you just get sick of a place. But um, so far, we've been able to really pull some cool, cool stuff out of that place. Um, yeah, and especially the piano there. The piano there is kind of amazing. It's, like, a little out of tune, um, but in, like, a perfect way. And I think I wrote all the piano stuff on that. Yeah, I find that really fascinating. Um, I've been lucky enough to be in studios sometimes with musicians, just for a handful of days, but, like, I've witnessed that, um, how would I describe it? I've really witnessed that complete devotion and complete, uh, I guess, complete surrendering to, like, that creative drive. Like, mm -hmm. when you're with a band or a musician, you could see... You could see it in their eyes and just the way they're moving around that they're constantly thinking about song or a song or various songs and how they want to like rearrange it. And I wonder like what's it like to be in that space and just have that con like your creativity constantly on your mind. Like, um, I, I think it's just just being in a place where all of the toys are there and like I like here in in Brooklyn I write every day I. But I only have, like, an acoustic guitar or my electric guitar set up. Sometimes I have my MIDI set up. But I don't I don't usually, like, have all the arrangement tools available uh, to, like, really put a song together. Yeah. So everything before that is, like, sketch and drawing, you know, sketches of songs. Um, it's just kind of nice to have all the paint there and just yeah. kind of do it. Because I imagine when you put it in that context, it's like if you were just like pacing the room or like lying down thinking about a song and an idea came to your mind, you could oh. literally just run to a room and like grab like if it's cowbell for example or something like that, just like go right out. Oh out. yeah, it's great. And especially living there, um, I think the first week we spent up, up there um, for Iditarod, that song wasn't even on the table. We were we were doing other stuff. I didn't, ha I didn't hadn't even written it, but one night because I was just there, it was like 12, like everyone everyone had left. Mm -hmm. And I was just able to like do it because I had the tools there to do it. And like uh, that's that's where like a place like that feels magical, where you're just like, oh, that's at amazing. any point. Um, but, uh, yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. You have an album coming out soon. Um, I think a lot of musicians would agree probably begrudgingly, that um, an album of theirs definitely represents a place and time within their lives, yeah. within the context of it being written. That's for sure. And I feel like a lot of the times, when I'm listening to albums, I just feel like when I think about the humanity of people, I just think, like, for you to take a experience or a period of your life and write about it, it must be... I find that it must be surprising when you're doing it and looking back and thinking, like, wow, I never expected I'd be writing about this. Was it kind of like that for you when you made this album? Like, are you surprised that the period of time that you wrote about is what you ended up writing about? Well, it, I'm not really surprised because at the time, you know, in in the last band, we had just broken up mainly because we... I, I think 
people got unhappy because we were just like focused on like trying to get big and writing pop songs and trying to like yeah. you know make something that other people would like and I just had a really shitty couple of months and decided like I needed to take the advice that every single older writer has always said like write what you know and I was like well I'm just gonna write about this stuff and kind of like see this through and I think that's what I've always done it's just in my last band there wasn't as much of an outlet for that or it didn't feel like I could just like write about my feelings you know like in that way so I'm kind of um I'm just kind of happy I had I was able to for once in a while be like the only cook in the kitchen to just like pour out some of this stuff and kind of work through it um so I don't know it does feel like a pretty time and place album what what would you describe it in that way though and like um going into that method of I'm gonna write about what I know and attacking it that way I mean would you say that was almost scary in a way at least at the start of it yeah I was I, I was I was terrified that I wasn't going to be able to write without everybody like it had been a while since I had that confidence to write a full song you know like because when you're in a band you kind of write you know as for, for me I would still write a lot of it but I'd rely on other people to kind of like fill in certain things um and it was scary being the only one to have control over this and it being so personal um it was like, oh, are people going to really want to listen to me? Like, like, just pour this stuff out. Like, who, who, who gives a shit? Like, so it was, I kind of had to get over that and stop thinking about what other people might think and just, like, just do it for myself and then worry about the other stuff later. Um, and I'm really glad I pushed through because there were definitely times I, like, there were times that year, even after writing some of the songs, I was like, I can't do, like why like why am I putting myself through this again like being in a band can get so demoralizing sometimes especially when you're like trying to like make it a sustainable thing in your life and there were many times where like I really thought like oh shit like why am I doing this and I I came back around luckily but like I don't know um no but I feel like I could understand that at least in a I mean it might sound like very broad but I feel like in the way you're describing it uh when you describe the couple months where you were unhappy i feel when you're within that a lot of it could be like you're thinking like fuck i definitely know i don't want to do this but then you find yourself thinking about what else would i want to do and then it's like well i'm doing music i don't want to do that so where am i gonna go yeah yeah exactly and i i don't think i i think i was always gonna come around but there's times where you convince yourself you know you're yeah. just like no <laughs> Yeah. I mean, the lyrical aspect of the album, I think, is going to really intrigue people. And, like, it's something that I think is definitely best, like, listen to. Like, I, it's funny. I love asking about lyrics, but I feel with certain albums, it's ones where you have to, like, really let people hear it. Yeah. And that makes me want to go into another row instead, asking you specifically about the musical direction. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like some people obviously would try to say, you know, like, indie singer-songwriter. But I feel, obviously, for me, it was, like, a lot more lush there was a lot more going on sonically mm-hmm. and i wonder in terms of the musical element where do you think not necessarily that inspiration but like how did it feel venturing to like this kind of new territory for you it felt really um comfortable and exciting um i 
have been just writing primarily like stuff that has to drive, you know, always had to like been pushed by a strumming electric guitar. And this is like the first time in a while I could just take, you know, like over the course of my last band, I was always doing guitar work in my bedroom, but I never thought those would be songs. Cause like, Oh, they're slow. They're boring. Nobody would like them. Yeah. It was the first time I started to realize specifically after seeing this Bon Iver show, um, just like how down tempo music can be propelled so much by other elements that like there, there's more to movement in music than just guitar strumming and I was like I was like finally like kind of like realizing that from a different place um, that I hadn't seen before and that was really exciting um, so I kind of like rode into that and I think as far as like inspiration goes there was like listening to a lot of Angel Olsen, a lot of Bon Iver, um, Beach Boys, and then like Death Cab and Cedar Ross for like... That's a, definitely a good collection to be listening to. Yeah, so it was like, it was like a, it was a funny meld, but like they kind of like helped, looking at those artists kind of helped me understand like how to push that type of music and not feel like I'm just like playing really slow like mm. <laughs> what, what, what do you remember uh, where you saw Bonavere? yeah I saw at the um, at the Red Hook venue that he did um, oh, nice. a series of shows that was a kind of like a life changing show and like I, I never thought I'd see a life changing show like as I'm older because yeah. you, you always think those shows yeah. are like mudbang when you're 13 <laughs> you know? but it, it just like I don't know I was in this raw place for like needing something I, I was just lost and I was just like seeing that like yeah. I don't know it's huge that's really fucking fantastic uh, I saw them perform I think it was at the tail end of the album before this newest one that came out yeah. and they played at some church uh, oh, downtown in Manhattan yeah shit I mean it was relatively big but it was one of those things it was like a fader event it was one of those things where even though it was a big place you just it felt small because of the amount of people there but I remember being, I bring this up because it just goes along with what you're saying. I remember knowing of his music and just thinking like, God, I wonder how interesting this will be live. I mean, it's mostly these folks, folky songs, yeah, but yeah. then you see it live and all those members and it's like, I think what you probably experienced, it might be similar to what I did where I was like, wow, you could, when you have delicate music, it just means the canvas is so blank, you can add so much more, even when it's like, it's like watercolor. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what a, it was like to me. That's a that. great way to put it. I learned that piecing the live band together. I think total it's six people. I th for sure think it can be seven people with a percussionist on like go drum and stuff. But there's when you're playing chiller music, you could turn down all the amps really low and have seven people there and it would still sound full and great. And um, it's weird. I feel like um, there's just so much more room. That's incredible. Uh, before we were recording, we talked briefly about like how you played uh, Rockwood Music Hall recently. Yeah. Uh, and you just brought up like being able to piece together that live band. Yeah. What was it like for you to be on stage and just to actually... I mean, it's one thing to be in rehearsals, but to be yeah. on the stage and actually see it and hear it, what was that like? That was kind of a surreal experience. Um, the first show we played was, um, was at Mercury Lounge. And I just like, I never played a show that felt that natural before. Everything's kind of like written in my range 
everyone everyone's parts just like kind of fit together in like a puzzle way um that i didn't really i've I've never experienced on stage before so it's been really really exciting to hear at rockwood we got to hear it stripped down with like a actual piano and that was really cool um but yeah it's it's been exciting it's been new i mean this whole project has gone it's just super new like i don't it it's strange how quickly it's all like formed together. No, I hear you on that. And uh, for people listening who might not be familiar with Rockwood and uh, Mercury Lounge, both of these venues, particularly uh, Rockwood, are the type of venues where if you're on stage, people's faces are literally right there. Yeah, they're <laughs> so, right there. So I'm at, I mean, is that, I mean, obviously you perform loads of times before in your previous band, but yeah. with this project, I imagine with the type of music you're playing, you would, is it weird to, to assume you would feel much more self-aware at faces looking at you? when you're playing music like that? Or do you just find yourself losing yourself to it more? No, I, I, yeah, I think I, I'm definitely way more lost in it. And that's been amazing. I mean, the last couple of shows I did with my whole band, like, I could just feel myself detached from it. And this stuff, it's just, it just feels natural to play live. It feels easy. That's the biggest thing. I, I like, I was shocked at how easy these songs were to play live. And it, it's definitely not in a bad way, but it's blocked out the crowd a little bit more because I just don't, I just don't have to feel like, with pop rock, indie pop rock, like you're always just like, oh, I'm dancing here and like, oh, look at me go and I, oh, I'm going to look at my guitar and so we're going to like do a little thing. And it's just like, I'm just like, I don't have to worry about that and I, it just feels like I can do whatever and it, it's okay. You know, I love what you say and I have a friend who plays, most, like he plays a lot of different instruments but predominantly plays like acoustic guitar. And something that I've always found to be funny is like, um, I won't name any names, but there's been times where we've seen other bands perform live together, like just being in the crowd. And any time there's like a guitarist or a bass player that's like trying to do like flourishes with their instrument, he gets so annoyed. He's like, his face is like, why are you lifting your guitar? Why are you doing that? (laughs) It's funny, but but some people people can do it really naturally and it's amazing. I've just, I like realized like that's, I'm not, I'm not that type of show person and I like came to terms with that and that's okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, Uh, you know, but before we cap this off, um, we talked about five o'clock in the morning uh, early on and I imagine naturally for people who are listening who might not be familiar with your music, they're probably more inclined to like go onto Spotify or SoundCloud or whatever and pick apart a single. But being able to sit here with you as someone who made this body work and the record's coming out soon, if you could have someone hear the first song of your project, out of all the songs of the album, what would you love them to be? Uh, The first song, (laughs) which is, what am I missing? Yeah. So that would be the first song. (laughs) That's what you'd like to hear, though. Yeah, and that's the first one on the album, so it works, it's easy. (laughs) (laughs) What is it about that song in particular, though? Um, Apart from it being the first song of the album. No, yeah. Um, (laughs) it, It was the... It just came together so quickly, so surprisingly, and it did everything I wanted to do. I really, with this stuff, I didn't want to do like, first chorus, first chorus, after, you know, like I, I wanted to get out of traditional structure a little bit. And not to say like, there are definitely songs that do that in this album, but that was the first song that really embodied that, that just went the direction that it needed to go emotionally, not because it had to fill in this premeditated space uh, to make, you know, a, a traditional song that people could latch on to. And I think I learned to just let the emotions and the feelings guide it. 
And that's, I don't know, that song just, um, I don't know, it's just weird how it came together. And also, like, I, I remember finishing it, and I usually don't, like, it takes me a while to step back from lyrics and be like, oh, shit, like, that's what I meant there. That's why I sang that there. Like, I, I usually am just, like, relatively close to it. So when I stepped back from that song, I was just like, oh, wow, this feels like a, all these lyrics are tying in in a really nice way that I didn't quite envision when I was doing it. So it was just a surprising thing to, like, step back from. I was just, I kind of, like, felt proud over that piece of work yeah. that I, like, embodied what I wanted to, like, say, basically in the album, all in wow. that song. So That's fantastic. Yeah, it was surprising. It, uh, like, so su the genuinely surprised me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, the first song on the album, name of it again? The song. What Am I Missing? What Am I Missing? Yeah, so if you're listening, which you are, obviously, <laughs> if you're hearing this, <laughs> please be sure to go out to Spotify. I'm pretty sure this is going to be coming out the day the album comes out. I oh, think oh, that's exciting. the plan. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, what, be sure to listen to What Am I Missing? Kevin, thanks for chatting. Thanks so much. What?